ladies and gentlemen, now hosting the Rizzo cast, put your hands together for Steven Rizzotto. What's going on, everybody, and welcome. My name is Steven Rizzotto. I cover the San Francisco Giants for SF Bay. And I'm the host of RizzoCast, a podcast that features current and former big league players, coaches, fans, media, and others who are regarded as some of the brightest minds around the game of baseball. Today's guest is Alex Dickerson. Yes, an MLB outfielder who has played in parts of six seasons at the big league level with the San Diego Padres, San Francisco Giants, and the Atlanta Braves. Now at 33 years old, Dickerson says he feels better than ever. He's currently playing in the Independent League for the Long Island Ducks in the Atlantic League and uh, recently won the team's Player of the Month Honor of June. We talk about the experience in independent baseball, kind of reinventing himself as a hitter, his struggles with health uh, throughout his career, getting denied during Players Weekend. That's a fun story. Cheese steaks, uh, the magical 2021 season, platoon, so much more coming up next. This is episode number 146. Let's get started. Alrighty, and we are back with Alex Dickerson, and Alex is kind enough to join the show. Alex, thanks for coming on. Welcome. Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and it's it's definitely a pleasure to to have you on the show. And and you are here because we could not get Robert Stock. No, I'm just kidding. Um, for, for, uh, for yeah. those <laughs> for those who don't know, I, I just want to plug this real quick. We are recording this on the morning of the 19th. But the night last night, Robert Stock for the Long Island Ducks, and I guess for those that don't know, Alex Dickerson is now a Long Island Duck in the Independent League, in the Atlantic League. Uh, so your teammate and former big leader Robert Stock, he just threw a no hitter last night. So how cool was that to kind of be a part of that? Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. And I, I've known Robert for a long time now. Uh, saw him make it to the big leagues with us with the Padres. I think in either twenty, I think it was twenty eighteen. And uh, so his, his career is a wild one and just a crazy thing to really look up over um, just how he's done. He's a catcher. He's a pitcher. He's done independent ball three times. I think he said he's played for over 16 different teams, a bunch of some affiliated, some not. And uh, and yesterday, for those that don't know, uh, we had a about a seven hour bus ride to get to that game. So we we're up at 7 a.m. and starting pitchers normally especially an older one's not used to doing that so it's really impressive that kind of showed up and threw a no hitter but I mean he's a big league quality pitcher can still definitely throw in the major league so it is this is a level below him but it's still impressive nonetheless we didn't really have much work out there in the outfield yeah absolutely and I want to mention that you mentioned the long bus ride and I want to stick with the conversation about playing independent baseball uh, yeah. And playing for the Long Island Ducks, I know you you off uh, you you briefly played in the Mexican League earlier this year too. Now you're in the Atlantic League. How did this opportunity kind of come up for you to join this club? Because there's a lot of former Padres too. I saw Kevin Quackenbush is on the roster too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean our team is one of the best lineups, best rosters I've actually ever been on. We may all be on the back end of our careers but uh, I think we're all here kind of for the same reason we still believe physically we're able to do it and uh, we're just kind of looking for an opportunity back to compete again Um, the way the the way that affiliated baseball has gone over probably the past 
six, seven years is it slowly filtered out older players faster than they had in the past. And they can't keep think with the minor league union rules. There's also a cap on how many players you can have in your entire minor league system. So I think uh, things are going to change over time. You're going to see more players that you think like, wow, he, he really wasn't uh, that far removed from having a really good season. The majors, he's in Mexico now, or he's uh, over here at like a, you're going to start seeing that quite a bit more. And I think it already has been going that way. So in my case, personally, I had a down year the last two years. Uh, mechanically, I just kind of lost my swing after I'd gotten my body loose to try to stay healthy. Um, the good thing is that I actually am healthy. The bad news was that it was two years really of fighting to try to find those mechanics again. Uh, you got to kind of rebuild from you know, square one when you lose it. I think you, you see that with players all the time. Uh, Cody Bellinger is probably the biggest example in, in recent years where it goes from MVP to, wow, what's what's going on with him for, you know, multiple seasons before all of a sudden it just kind of, uh, he keeps fighting, it clicks, and now it looks like he's kind of back on the upswing again. And, um, you know, I, I think I'm still currently playing because, Physically, I feel as good as I ever did in my 20s. I missed almost three full seasons in my 20s. And you might look at that as a negative, but I always look at it as I didn't get wear and tear from those because those were I blew out immediately in spring training three different times and I missed like full seasons. So uh, I do feel pretty good. Um, but yeah, you're here in the independent league grinding it out again. Uh, you're doing the bus rides. You're taking the offer on the day that you're sitting on the bus for seven hours you know that's just part of the gig but it's it's been fun we got a good group we got a good group of guys that are keeping you know we keep each other motivated and uh, we're just kind of trying to have fun with it yeah i was going to ask about the uh the i guess motivation to continue playing independent ball mm -hmm. i mean are because a lot of people do it because they like playing a lot of people do it because they want to get back maybe it's a blend of both uh, are you aiming for another shot at the big leagues or are you more focused on playing because you still love the game? Cause it's, I mean, it sounds like a slam dunk, uh, answer that you might have, but I guess it could be answered in, the, in a few no, different ways. So what's the kind of could, motivation with continuing the continuing yeah, to play, be, I guess. It could be just trying to ride it out. But in my case, I, I wholeheartedly believe I'm every bit as good as I was back, uh, dating back to 2020. Now my defense has actually been better, um, my swing, it just, it, it actually took me having to see another tier down of pitching to realize just all the things that I've been screwing up over the years. Uh, in recent years, the velocity in AAA has actually ticked back up. Um, and you, you lose sight of some very basic fundamentals. And um, as a big leaguer, you get better at hiding some of the mistakes you're making. And it's not as, as obvious the older you get. I think you watch uh, Buster Posey's probably the best example, actually, where when I got there in 2019, he was going through some things. He was still, he was Buster. He's the captain. He's still a great catcher. And uh, his swing just wasn't there. Uh, everybody just, the, the the number one thing they always point to, age, 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 always getting older, is always decline. We got all these algorithms that say everything. They don't really have an algorithm for fixing guys. Which with him, I was looking at it the whole time, like he's mechanically he's not using his legs, he's not able to stay on the ball because of this, that, and the other. And it seemed very fixable. And then his last year, he proved that. I mean, it was probably one of the best years of his entire career before he hung him up. And 
uh, actually the Giants were uh, probably the best example of why I'm still going because we had three or four guys that had some of the best years of their careers at age, you know, 33, 34, and, you know, are still playing to this day. So, uh, yeah, you would like it not to be here. You'd like it not to end up getting to this point, but uh, you just take wherever, whoever gives you a jersey on your back and, you know, you're looking for another opportunity to get back because I, I do believe walking back into AAA this time around, I think I would put up similar numbers to when I was younger and can move on from there. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's 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 cool that you kind of, finding your swing there and obviously there's there's very notable differences you mentioned the bus rides of playing in the big leagues and playing an independent ball but i guess from an outsider looking in what would people not know about the independent leagues like what what are the fans like the ballpark the you know i guess what are some of the 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 vibes of playing at that level um it's similar to the low minors in a lot of ways talent wise it's just a it's a roller coaster. I've seen some players that you're like, man, this guy never got drafted. I can't believe that. Like just lost in the weed somewhere. I've seen that from like three or four guys this year um, on the position player side. And then the pitching side, there's just this really wide range. You got some really old guys that are, have no velocity and they can kind of just locate. You got guys that are coming out of college that overlooked. You got some dudes that threw really hard and they just can't throw a strike. So like that's, and that's what's actually helped my swing is seeing the variety and being forced to adjust to a huge range of pitches, including like stuff that you feel like you haven't seen since, you know, college where guys are just slowing up and they're like, well, I should be hitting this. This is like very obvious, like bad mechanics, bad stuff, but I'm getting out. And then you start to realize like, you know what, I'm not too good to kind of widen my stance out and be short and try to hit it the other way you had to like that's what I did to get out of here the first time on the way up and uh so you see that from the the player standpoint from the stadiums and everything it's really not all like our crowds have been every bit better than I had in Gwinnett last year uh almost every day in Long Island especially it's a really good atmosphere um they treat you, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty much the minor leagues again. You're on the bus, you got roommates on the road, you got all those things, and you're kind of wearing that, and you're making zero money again. And that's uh, that's just part of the gig, and, you know, that's that's how we earned our stripes the first time around, and sometimes you got to do that part all over again. And it's a little different when you're older with a family and mouths to feed and all that, but uh, in my situation, I, I did pretty well before getting to this point, so we're uh, – we're kind of grinding through it and, you know, uh, it, it, it is, it is good baseball overall. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. And one of the things I noticed, one of the guys on your team, you were traded for, uh, with <laughs> just so, showed up to, uh, the other day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Franklin, I'm going to screw up his name. Franklin Van Gerp. Mm-hmm. Um, the Farhan Zaidi had made a deal, uh, trading him for you back in the day, back in 2019. So like, was that ever talked about when you saw when when you saw him, because that seems like a pretty interesting anecdote. Yeah, so he just showed up. I haven't even had a chance to talk to him because all we've had is just a bus ride. But yeah, I'm sure that'll come up at some and point. no hitter. Traded for him directly uh, back in 2019. So yeah, that that was really funny to see him on the roster yesterday. I'm like, that name sounds. Oh, I was traded for that guy. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. And and your manager too, Wally Backman. Um, I mean, I don't know if you've seen the YouTube videos of him going absolutely nuts managing 
uh, a few uh, different independent league teams. I mean, is he anything like that? Like, you know, behind closed doors? Um, is he enjoyable to play for? Tell me a little bit about Wally Backman because he was part of those, yeah, those Mets uh, teams. So we used to that video, that YouTube video, when I was in AAA the first time in 2015 in El Paso, we watched where we listened to that video before every single game the entire year. That was just part of our routine, and it was it was really funny back then. He was still uh, managing in the league at the time for Las Vegas, and uh, you always heard the stories about him. And yes, he's still got every bit of that much fire. He, that's just the, that's Wally Backman. That's who he is. He's gonna die in this game, um, and yeah, he's still like it, it's an older player. It is. It's been really nice having somebody like that. That's got that old school like just does everything on pure emotion like it's something that's kind of gotten filtered out of the game in these days and sometimes for good reason uh but when you need that extra motivation when you're older you're not being paid like Wally's there to kind of like get you going and have your back he's had a couple explosions too which has been uh it's just funny looking at it now but um yeah he's still as passionate as ever and he's uh he's a he's kind of a legend especially on the as a manager no, I'm not even going back to like his playing days, which were some wild times in the eighties. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Um, and, and that could be a whole different podcast for a different day. Uh let's get into to your career a little bit uh professionally. I mean, you're from Poway, uh down there in, in San Diego in that area, and you're the second player. I want you to know this. You're the second player in the history of the podcast uh to be from Poway High School. So oh, really? Xavier Scruggs, I had him on a, a while back. Uh, have you had any kind of run in with Xavier? I know he's with ESPN right now. Uh, but th- I mean, do, do those alumni, cause there's a bunch of them. It's a big baseball school. Do those alumni ever come together at times? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen X over the years. It's been a little bit now. He got the TV gig and he's, I mean, he's big time now. He's one of the best, best, uh, guys for all that. And, uh, X a great dude. He was a senior, my freshman year. Um, and this is kind of the cool thing about Poway. And if you really look at the wall of all the big leaguers we had during that period, there was always motivation. There was always somebody about two or three grades above you that was doing stuff. And you're like, wow, if I could do that someday, I'd be so happy. And, you, and then you're kind of following them. He, he makes it to the big leagues, gets a little bit of a cup of coffee. I think he went to Korea for a couple of years. Just an outstanding guy. He used to hit balls at our high school that were like over the, we had the fence, trees, the football stands, and then the lights. And he hit it over the lights one of the days, I remember. And so, like, legendary stuff like that. You had him, Thomas Neal, and you had the group uh, with kind of me, Austin Wins, right behind me, also played for the Giants. Then after that was Connor Joe, also played for the Giants. He had uh, Bochi, also played. The Giants really liked Poway for, for whatever reason, as they should. We, we had really good players. And I think the coolest part about what Poway had is we didn't have any of the superstar like athletes, like the old can't miss it five tool. Like he's going to go first round right out of the gate. We had a lot of like guys that were moderately athletic and just were coached up really well and just played really good baseball. And that's what got a lot of us out of there. And I mean, it's been one heck of a program over the years. Yeah, no, without a doubt, the names there. It's it's a super rich list. Um, wh- when the Pirates picked you in in the the third round of two thousand eleven, and you know we just had a draft just now over the All Star All Star Game weekend, uh, and it, it I, I guess it kind of would bring you back a little bit seeing some of the names selected and 
Uh, granted, the third round might have not been televised, but do you remember at all where you were when you got that call that that Pittsburgh had drafted you? Yeah, I was uh, I was at home in my room. I had slipped because, uh, I mean, I was a guy that probably my whole college career, most people thought I would go in the first round. The By junior year, they brought in the BB core bats, and the first year of that, looking back at it, was a disaster. Um, it's not even like a subjective thing. Like it, like legitimately, they didn't know what the qualifications were going to be. And some of the companies went way too far as far as that first year to try to qualify. I didn't hit a home run in batting practice almost the entire season where I used to just do it at will. And then after I'd signed, I did it at will. And so I'm sitting there like, well, that, that wasn't cool. <laughs> they, uh, um, so I had slipped out of the first round. Uh, I was pretty disappointed in that at the time. Um, and I think Pittsburgh kind of said they might take me with the first pick of the second round. And then overnight, they ended up going for Josh Bell, who wasn't supposed to be signable. And he barely was. I think they ended up, uh, he ended up making him cough up $5 million. Uh, Morris did, did his work there with him and Garrett. Uh, and then they ended up taking me the first pick of the third round. And then, like, after that happens, you finally get that weight off your shoulder. You're like, all right drafted now where, where do I got to go when do I got to do it and, uh, yeah that's it, definitely one of those things that's like that's a monumental point in your career and as I look back at it me sliding this might have been a good thing for me because I, I was the kind of guy I needed a little extra motivation to try to keep moving you know if you get a million dollars at 21 you're sitting there thinking like oh I'm pretty set and then my age now you realize how little that actually goes uh, for most people I think that ends up lasting if they're smart you know, seven, eight years of their career because you go into making nothing. And uh, a lot of people aren't too smart at that young and they're uh, when they're young, especially when you don't factor in tax. Um, so, yeah, I think looking back at that, it's one of those big moments that wasn't really like a super happy one for me, but it's uh, definitely the thing that started my career. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and you know, when you were traded to San Diego, um, and I asked JT Snow something similar about this because he was, a, you know, an, an Orange County guy and he was traded, you know, from the Yankees to the Angels. And, you know, obviously getting traded to San Diego for you, it's a place close to home. Was that a dream kind of playing for your hometown team or was it kind of a burden? Because, you know, JT Snow was saying that, you know, every night he had to go to dinner with someone. Every, you know, every night he had to leave 15 tickets out for a coach or a former player or a high school teammate, was it a dream playing for the the hometown team or, or did it kind of have like the burden feel to it? Um, it was definitely, um, when I got traded, I was in that same room, just happened to be there in the off season. And it was like super exciting. All of a sudden I can, I can get in my car and instead of taking a right to go to my high school, I take a, I go straight and go to the interstate and then I can go, down and play baseball for the Padres and uh it, it was a dream getting called up with them playing there it was it was really cool it does have its its downsides like no other just like you're talking about there's a lot of people that come out of the woodwork want tickets don't understand that we got to pay for them um everybody with for with me for the most part though was really cool really supportive and it was always nice to have that going for you in any given crowd because especially uh back in those days we weren't we didn't win that many games so it felt like you were playing some road games at home and it was nice to have like family and friends that were always still had your back and uh yeah it, it was definitely a great time it was i'm really proud of those times and uh 
but yeah, they did come with some sort of some burdens that were uh, they were could get really exhausting. I didn't really have to deal with that as much in San Francisco. Yeah, you know, if if they didn't come see you in the minor leagues, then it's not even worth you know saving them a ticket for the big leagues. Like that's yeah. That's I mean, but in, in their defense, it's not many of them are rolling through El Paso or San Antonio or very true Pennsylvania. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned some of the injuries that you had and um and, and you mm-hmm. mentioned that you feel good now. Uh but do you feel 100% like are 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 the injuries that you had and I know you've had a few back injuries, you've had, you know, the ankle, you've had the arm, you've had the mm-hmm. hamstring. Like do you ever consider yourself to be at like 100%? Will that ever happen like again or is that something that you just kind of have to deal with? Uh I mean, as far as those injuries I know more about my body now than I ever did when I was going through them. So what I considered a hundred percent before them probably wasn't even close as far as like my mobility and stuff. Mm. So no, nobody ever considers himself a hundred percent. Like you can ask 100% of players in the major leagues right now. Are you at a hundred percent? Not one of them is going to say that uh, this, this game will beat you up, especially by the time you get to the halfway point. Um, but yeah, I'm fully, rehabbed from it from all of those and it took a couple years for some of them and then you you had to learn I had to learn what was important to strengthen what was important to stay loose and all that yeah I don't I don't know that I'll ever be like a 100% and I'm older now there's some things you feel like you can't do as well but I don't know over overall I was (laughs) I was really banged up I mean when I was 27 I could barely walk with that first back injury and nowadays, you know, I, I the thought when I was 27 to say like, oh, six years from now, you're going to ride a bus for seven hours at 7 a.m. at age 33, and you're still going to have to play a game that night. Like, I would have told you, probably crazy. There's no way I'd be able to do that. But I actually managed to do it. And, you know, it takes a little while to get loose. But um, I really don't think twice about it. Uh, not not afraid of being injured which I was there for a couple of years that first year back in 2019 I mean I had this regimen that was just an hour and a half long every day right as I showed up of just getting everything loose everything strengthened I was afraid every single swing could be the one that set me back because I hadn't been on the field for two consecutive full seasons and it doesn't help when you have like doctors trainers GMs like they're all saying they don't kind of, they kind of don't think you're going to do it either but uh Deep in the back of my mind, I knew I could. I just had to be really religious with uh, how I got ready and how I prepared every day. And, uh, you know, I really do kind of – I am proud of the fact that I was able to do that. A lot of guys – it's not easy. It's it's exhausting just trying to stay healthy. Um, But, yeah, I got through that, and now I don't really think twice about it. So, yeah, 100% is probably not not realistic ever, but – Honestly, I, I like I said earlier, I, I feel better than I did at 27, 28 years old at 33. So that's kind of why I'm still doing this. Yeah. And kind of side note here, you're known for your 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 kind of dry sense of humor. And you know, grandpa's one of your nicknames relating back to when you're kind of limping around as a teenager. But uh, you have another nickname. Obviously, you know, in baseball, we like to make things very easy and, and shorten names. And that would make your nickname Dick. But uh, you have a story to tell about mm-hmm. trying to use that in Players Weekend, right? And they wouldn't allow you to use it. 
right? Is that what happened? Yeah. Yeah, I tried to use it. I think I turned it in with the Padres one year, but I wasn't playing, so it never ended up being a, an issue. And I wanted to say they might have said no then. And then in 19, uh, the fans were chanting it throughout all the stadium and stuff, so they really wanted to see it on the jersey. So I turned it in again, and they said no. And then somebody informed me that, like, Richard Blyer has it on his jersey. I'm like, well, that's BS. How the hell, how the hell is he allowed to? And I'm not. So we uh, got this kind of tussle with, uh, I think, Brad Grimm's our uh, equipment guy. He just kept emailing, asking Joe Torrey if we could do it. And then they kind of ran out the clock. And then eventually they just put Grandpa on there again. And yeah, I was, I'm still pissed about it. I still think it's a double standard. And it was absolutely stupid. But uh, it was funny. I actually played with uh, Richard Blyer on Team Israel this year. And we, we talked about that earlier. And it was kind of funny seeing hearing both sides of it. We were both laughing about it because I think it might have gone into the media as we were angry. And yeah, I was like frustrated, but it was still just funny to me. Like I didn't honestly care. Yeah. Out of all the things that you emailed Joe Torrey about, like he's probably getting like, you know, hundreds of emails a day. And that one just pops up in his inbox. I want to know what his reaction was. So that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Uh, and, and I also know that, yeah. you know, you're, you're a pretty big, you know, video game guy too, right? So what do you usually play? Hmm um honestly in recent years i haven't I have kids now i haven't gotten to as much but i end up playing with my kids so i'm playing a lot of the stuff i did when i was a kid i'm playing crash bandicoot zelda uh spyro those kind of things and i'm having a lot of fun with that and kind of showing him showing my oldest uh kind of the ropes of it and seeing his, his understanding of it kind of piecing things together he's even trying to solve some of the puzzles in there and uh yeah, so that's it's been a lot of those like N sixty four PlayStation ones recently. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this, I, I remember you saying something about you know you liking the video game, so I had to sneak that in here. Um, back to baseball oh, yeah. real quick before we wrap up, we'll do some giant stuff. You had kind of the unique opportunity to play for both Bruce Bochy and Gabe Kapler, and they're two very different baseball men. Uh, but do they have any similarities at all, or is it just kind of all different with that transition from from Bochi to Kapler? Um, I'd say the similarity is they're both players' managers in different ways. Um, yeah, uh, Cap, he's very he he's OCD. He knows he he's like got all the stuff listed out. He's trying to program everything the the whole day and and uh. Boach is kind of a, you know, uh, old school kind of holds a meeting now and then does really kind of spends most of his time in his office, but the, they still both will pull you in and, you know, check your pulse, see, see how you're feeling, that kind of stuff. And I, yeah, I'd, I'd say they're both still very much players managers, but uh, yeah, very, very different approaches and both, both obviously successful. Mm. And, how strange was that 2020 season? Because you came to the Giants in 2019, and the 2020 season was was COVID year. And I feel like we don't discuss it enough how there was literally nobody in the stands, and they had to play the crowd noise, you know, as you're playing. So, I mean, that entire season with the no fans, with all the 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 COVID policies going on, uh, I feel like it gets lost because we're we're kind of past it now. But that entire season was just kind of weird. Yeah, it was uh, it was different, and I remember thinking that crowd noise was going to be the dumbest thing of all time. But after playing two games silent in the exhibitions, 
they played the crowd noise. You're like, okay, it's definitely better. And then actually, another thing I thought was going to be stupid was putting the the fans' cardboard cutouts out there. Yeah, that actually kind of made it a little more homey. It's just like decorating your fireplace at Christmas. Uh, and then it also gave me targets to throw at because I was right. so pissed off they didn't put anybody down the lines. And I had to chase every ball that entire season. So I would take it out on the car. I'd pick a random cardboard cutout and see if I could knock its head off. And that gave me a little entertainment in between innings or in between pitches throughout that year. Yeah. And I remember reading that, you know, your wife was pregnant at the time and we need an update. How is everything going with the little one? Have you learned anything about fatherhood? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's hard. It's even harder when you're playing baseball. Uh, no, it's been great. He's, uh, I've got two now, actually. So oh, I've had to, congratulations! Uh, go through another pregnancy, also not not easy, and uh, they're they're doing great. They just came and visited me. It's baseball is not an easy sport for family. Um, it's not easy for them to be there all the time. It's not easy for you to play with them all there all the time. So everybody does it a little different. We've been doing the the long visits, and you know it's been it's been great. It's been every bit rewarding. Is it is difficult? Yeah, no, I can imagine, and. Um, I'll address the elephant in the room here. How often do you get asked about the cheesesteak commercial? <laughs> not often, actually. Not not outside of San Francisco. Uh, there, that gets brought up quite a quite a bit. Uh, that's one of those where, especially any ads, I just do them. I never watch them, and then people bring it up. They bring it up. But yeah, I heard they they played it a uh, ton that year, so I had to I had to hear about it quite a bit for like a year and a half there. So. Yeah, no, it was it was a, a really touching commercial, and and you know you were talking about your dad and everything, and how he was a a, a fighter pilot in the Navy, yeah. and there's some emotion, and it, it was really touching. And then the next scene, it's just you chowing down on a cheesesteak, <laughs> and it just takes yeah. the the wildest turn. Um, I mean, I want to ask because do you know at all who's doing the cheesesteak? Because they're still doing ads. Do you know who is doing the cheesesteak ad uh, this year? Do you have any idea? No, who is it? It's Brandon Crawford. So Brandon oh, Crawford, and, and I think turn. he might he might have you beat. So I'm going to show you uh, uh, Crawford's 30-second cheesesteak video real quick, and you have to tell me which one you think is better. Okay, ready for this? Okay. Uh, yeah. All righty. The cheesesteak shop, authentic to the last bite. <laughs> Not hungry anymore. Either. <laughs> that, I mean, that one. I don't know what they have with commercials, but they they seem to nail every one of them. What did you think about that? Uh, that was actually pretty good. I mean, him, he's, he's got a little more experience with the camera than I do. And you could tell he's already in the uh, pregame set up for BP with his headband and everything. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny, though. <laughs> yeah, good. I, I had to show you that because I know the cheesesteak uh, and you kind of get brought up simultaneously in San Francisco. Uh, a few more things real quick on the 2021 team. Franchise best 107 wins during the regular season. And, uh, you know, it, it essentially came out of nowhere. I know that there was a, a 500 season before, like a game under 500 in 2020. Uh, we're now a few years removed from that team. What are what are some of the the favorite memories playing with that group of guys? Because it was 
a really spectacular year. It seemed like every day that, you know, the team was winning. So what do you remember from that year in that group of guys? I mean, that would probably be the best memory is that I'm never in the big leagues had I experienced just rolling into places, expecting to win two of three games, possibly sweeping almost every team in the league. Um, and the coolest part about that was uh, the beginning of the year when we, you know, we were projected, I think, fourth or maybe even worse. Um, and we were going over our goals in spring training and Buster said, Hey, there's only one goal and there's only one realistic way to play baseball. And you gotta, you gotta do it with the thought of winning the division. And people thought that that was like crazy to say, even in our own locker room, when you're looking at the Dodgers and how stacked they were. But uh, like he said, like, Hey, that's the, that is the only way to play this game. It's not make the playoffs. It's you gotta win the division. And it came down to literally the last day. And that, that last month, it was crazy. Both of us couldn't lose. It felt like, man, we're winning all these games. We're gaining none on these guys. And we just stayed ahead of them like the entire time. And just to, like how resilient that group was. And it, it was really cool seeing what I think is probably the best generation of players, like most successful players from my era. Watching them as we got down the stretch where I'm getting a little nervous. I've never even been in a playoff hunt. They're like way more relaxed they're having so much fun and like that that's why they won those three world series in five years there it's a it's a different breed of player when they're able to turn off all the noise take out all the anxiety and then they're just having fun with it and they're playing all the way to the, to the finish line yeah they got a lot of contributions from a lot of the veteran players and um a lot of the impact came from the kind of the platoon role and you know that was a little bit of you you know for example you didn't face a ton of lefties that much um, are, are platoons something that players despise? Like, you know, obviously I want to hit lefties. I want to hit lefties. Does anybody actually say that as a left-handed, as a left-handed hitter, or are they kind of understanding that maybe the platoon is the best situation for the team? Cause I'm sure it's a kind of tough situation to be put into when you're, you know, when you're due up in the sixth inning and a lefty comes out and you get pulled back. Yeah, it's uh it's an adjustment for everybody. I think everybody would rather have all the at bats. Um there's when you're look constructing a team and you're looking at like, hey, out of this spot, I want to get this kind of production. Me and Darren Ruff really bought into it in 2020. And I think they had us like if we were one player, we were like the second or third best left fielder in baseball. So you're looking at it and you go, Okay, I understand that. Um, I think where it got frustrating, at least in my sense, is uh when you're not going well. And I, I look at times when I got out of that slump, a lot of time it was left on left at bats and those are kind of being taken away from you. So that that's where it gets frustrating, but I don't blame them from a management point of view. It still makes more sense to put in the guy that's likely to still hit a home run against that guy. So I, I get it. I think there's some give and take. I don't think you can do it with your entire roster. Um, you definitely have to have guys that can still see both kinds of guys and, um, by the time playoffs roll around, you you would hope that towards the end you're able to maybe mix in a few of those at bats, both for your right right handed and left handed side of the platoon. Where because in the playoffs it's not a guarantee you're going to get that matchup, and it's gonna it's gonna probably take a two out, you know, two RBI base hit on a left on left situation that might end up winning it for you. So um, yeah, it's got it it's got its pros and its cons. Um, I think it's it's just really a preference thing. I was well, I was with the Braves last year. They got a set of nine guys that they are like, hey, 
these guys are really good. They're going to play every day. They're going to do this every day. It's, it's old school, but man, they're so talented. You'd be doing all of them a disservice if you didn't let them see both sides. So yeah, it's a, it's really just, you know, how the game's been evolving and we'll, we'll see how it plays out over time. Yeah, nine guys and like eight of them went to the All Star game this this summer. Oh, uh, talent wise, I've never seen anything like that group. Yeah, no, definitely really cool. Uh, Alex, I appreciate you coming on. This was a blast. Um, so, media is that in your future? Maybe after the playing days? The uh, I don't know. We'll we'll see. Um, I I don't tend to filter myself too often, so I don't know if that route will even allow me. Hey, there's more there's more opportunities for that content now than ever before. That's and I, I have been looking at that and that that is what I mentioned. Like I might go down this road, it would only be that way where I, hey, you can't <laughs> touch me. I'm doing it myself. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, definitely could be cool. But I appreciate you coming on. This was a blast and uh, best of luck to you uh, in the season moving forward. Yeah, thanks a lot. And everybody, everybody could follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at RizzoCast. Go check us out. More stuff coming up soon. And everybody have a great day. A lot of trade deadline stuff coming soon, too, as well. That's a big topic for sure. Uh, Alex, where's Shoei Otani going? Is he getting traded? It'd be crazy. I mean, you can, I mean, you can ask for an entire farm system for him. So I guess if you got that near the Angels and you guys keep ending up on the losing end of it, It'd still be nuts. That guy, there's nothing like him in the world. (laughs) Yeah, no doubt about it. I agree. All right, everybody. See you next time.